Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Catherine Power, the CEO and co-founder of Who, What, Where, and Versed, a new skincare brand. In this episode, we talk to Catherine about building a clean beauty brand at drugstore prices, allowing the customer to play an integral role in creating the brand, and why Target was a perfect partner for developing their wholesale strategy. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have Catherine Power, the CEO and co-founder of Who, What, Wear, and the new beauty line, First. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We're excited to have you. So, Catherine, you recently launched Versed, a subsidiary of Click Brands. What were you thinking with the private label beauty brand? Well, you know, we've been uh, connecting with this audience uh, for the last 12 years through the Who, What, Where uh, brand, as well as our beauty brand, uh, Birdie, which we just recently sold. Um, and over the, the last several years, we saw a lot of confusion when it came to skincare um, and specifically clean skincare. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, the, the drugstore skincare aisle really hasn't changed for the last 50 years. If you go in and you look at it, you know, there's um, nothing particularly uh, fresh from a packaging perspective, uh, innovation formulation, you know, the, the um, sort of um, clean guidelines that all the prestige brands are following. We're just not there yet with drugstores. So we saw a huge opportunity um, at that price point to deliver the consumer something really special. Uh, you know, when, when Hillary and I started Who, What, Wear, which is our fashion brand, the idea was really to make fashion and style accessible to women everywhere. So prior to you know the launch, it was really just the high-end fashion magazines. And so throughout the years, we've been able to uh, democratize the idea of fashion and style through a very you know friendly voice and ultimately a collection of products that are priced really affordably and uh, distributed very widely. And I felt there was an opportunity to do that in skincare as well. Um, you know, through my job, I'm given access to the top experts in in beauty and wellness, whether it's the best celebrity facialist or um, a makeup artist. Um, and I'm I'm you know able to buy these products, or often am gifted these products by brands um, with really expensive formulations from all over the world. And I just felt like that's not fair um, for the for the rest of America not to have access to this kind of thing. So what we've been able to do at this price point is truly unprecedented. Um, you know, we have been able to invest um, deeply in our formulas because of the uh, the volume with which we're launching. So we're we're launching in um, over 1,400 retail doors on day one, which is also sort of unheard of for a new startup. Um, but because of that, you know, we've been able to deliver such uh, great products at a very affordable price. So, Catherine, you know. Verse is your first beauty line, but you also had previously had a Who What Wear line in Target and also collaborated on Joy Lab with Target. 
tell us a little bit about those similarities or differences between those processes and this. Sure. Well, with all of our consumer brands, um, we take a very data-driven approach and a co-creation approach with our community. So one of the things that we uh, did when we launched Who, What, Where back in 2016 was, um, you know, really to leverage the data uh, that we're getting from the consumer through our media properties and our social media um, platforms and let that inform the product selection. So in addition to a very talented design team, you know, we're looking at data across our websites, across Instagram, across Google search. We're looking at what women are purchasing at any given point in the year, the price points, the silhouettes, the materials. Um, you know, through our content sites, we refer the sales of about 20,000 products per month uh, to about 400 different retailers. So, you know, from Neiman Marcus to H&M, we're able to see what people are putting in a cart together. Um, and it's really interesting data. Um, at the same time, we're looking at, you know, search queries of trends to see if something's getting hotter, dying down, um, you know, uh, what conversations are bubbling up on Instagram. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, we really take the consumer a along the design process journey with us. So we'll be in a design meeting for who, what, where, and we'll go on Instagram stories and showcase a few different prints or patterns that we're considering and you know, ask the consumer to weigh in on which one they would buy. And before we leave the meeting, we have a few thousand responses telling us which direction to go. And I think that's been a very successful formula for our apparel. Um, it helps the buyers really um, you know, have more conviction in, in what they're choosing to, to buy deeply in or to you know, only buy a little bit of. Um, the idea is to mitigate markdowns, of course. Um, and it also creates this um, very natural uh, um, sort of affinity for the products. So these consumers have been part of the process. And so ultimately, you know, they feel like they've helped to create it. So they become our biggest brand champions by the time the products come out. So when you guys started Versed or started looking into Verse, you called data from over 7,000 women, if I'm correct. What did that kind of look like from a processes standpoint? Sure. So when we're creating a new brand, it usually starts with some sort of hypothesis. So, you know, we have an idea based on, you know, speaking to these consumers on a daily basis of, of sort of what's missing. We also talk to retailers regularly. You know, they're ad clients of ours, and we're always um, talking to the merchant teams as well. So we had kind of an idea that this might be an opportunity. And then from there, we, you know, we first go and sort of ask our community specifically. And then we kind of validate the hypothesis by going to a national sample of consumers. So, you know, we tend to have the you know, the tastemakers uh, in our community, uh, maybe a little bit more ahead of the curve. So we then, uh, the curve rather. So we go out to um, a national sample of women to validate the point, to make sure it's not just this sort of inner circle of women that are asking for this, um, which we did. We got validation for it. And then everything is basically tested from uh, the visuals of the brand uh, down to product names, price points, um, a ton of testing, um, both qualitative and quantitative research across this, these two different audience buckets. Um, and this is done through everything from focus groups to online surveys. Um, you know, we have a private Facebook group um, with very highly engaged skincare enthusiasts, and uh, we ask them a lot of questions about their concerns and what they're looking 
looking to to buy and get you know immediate feedback on. So, so yes, actually we looked at the data from over 16 million women across our entire um, audience, and 7,000 people actively participated in the creation of the brand. So did that look like women coming from the birdie site or women from who what where or was that larger like a larger pool so it was both who what where and birdie um over the last year and a half really we've been incubating this brand um as well as that national sample of of people i was speaking about so what did these women want what were they looking for from a product assortment point of view as well as a price point of view and accessibility point of view I think we saw a few patterns. Uh, for one thing, um, the consumers were very confused when it came to skincare. Um, it, they felt that you know these brands tend to um, focus on one main concern around skin, so it might be anti-aging or acne. But what we really found is that most people have a combination of issues, and they don't know how to use the skincare products together. You know, um, and and don't understand which ones might be right for their specific concerns. Uh, they also felt like they were paying far too much for skincare, so um, not feeling like you understand if you're paying for the component that's you know a really cool design or the actual formulation. Why something uh, you know would be four times the price at a different store as it would be you know in their local. Uh, drug or pharmacy store, and then um, also, you know, uh, really wanting cleaner products. Um, and you know, if you're a prestige shopper and you have a little bit of money and you can go to a Sephora and you, you know, actually even have a Sephora in your town, um, you can easily access that stuff, um, or you can find it at a department store. But if you don't have a Sephora near you and you don't have that kind of disposable income, um, it's really hard to find something clean. Um, so it was kind of a combination of all these things uh, that led us to this opportunity. We're seeing a lot of different brands right now really focus in on the data point of view. Obviously, you guys are as well, um, and you're able to cull that from your community. But when you're getting so much data, whether it's on your site or through social or just you know in your newsletter, how do you decide what's worthy and what's not? So I think it's actually easy at this point to collect a lot of data, no matter what kind of business you are. Um, what's more difficult is to form insights out of it. So, you know, I think we've um, we have a team of people that truly understands our consumer. They've been talking to to this consumer for for many years, and then also understands what kind of questions we need to ask to get the information. But as I said, you know, we always start with some sort of hypothesis and and look to prove that, um, so that we're not just sort of like grab in the dark um, and and letting any piece of information that we get lead us to to a new product. You mentioned um, the 1400 doors, which will largely be in Target stores as well as your own site. Um, talk to us about that relationship and why you felt like Target was the right partner for this. I know that they're trying to revamp their merchandising and beauty as well. So what can you offer them? Absolutely. So, you know, we're big believers in a very diversified distribution um, system. So we are um, launching direct-to-consumer, which will be, you know, very focused on, on our replenishment business um, and giving consumers an easy way to do that. Um, and then we, you know, will have a large component of our business that is wholesale um, and for us, we always choose, you know, one significant uh, launch partner um, for the brands that we come out with. Um, and then ultimately, we'll scale beyond that um, after a, a sort of window of time. So we considered a few different partners for the launch of Versed, um, you know, everyone from major, major drug stores you might think about to, uh, you know, a couple of the, 
the more prestige retailers. But ultimately, um, you know, Target was first of all has been an amazing partner to us. Um, so you know, we've worked with them with the Who What Wear collection as well as on on their brand Joy Lab, which we help help to service. Um, and they know how to launch new brands, and not every retailer knows how to do that. And they really get behind the brands in such a way. Um, that, you know, it is important at this early stage. So, um, you know, it, it was those factors as well as, um, you know, they were able to commit a lot of uh, real estate to us. Um, and part of our ability to bring these formulations to consumers at low price points is that we do have, you know, we leverage the volume. Um, and so that was a, 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 a factor in being able to, to deliver the price point. What does that look like from like a merchandising or marketing and messaging in store point of view? You know, I know we recently had Ali from Flamingo on a couple of weeks ago, and she really talked about how the education and really splitting up the categories and explaining was so detrimental to their launch and target. So I think a lot of retailers are trying to expand in beauty and wellness. They know it's an important category, but you know I think Target is doing such a great job because they are taking these big bets and and these risks and giving out so much real estate. Um, and you really need that to be able to educate people on the brand um, and and the category specifically. So um, you know what we've been able to do in store. Um, you know, as far as the education and the sort of brand building, um, I think is going to be really exciting and hopefully help the consumer um, in her in her product journey. You know, we saw that over 60 percent of women shopping these uh, skincare aisles are going to a brand's uh, Instagram or, or or website. So we're looking at those as major um, education platforms for the consumer, but are also doing what we can um, in our in-store signage to communicate our points very clearly and quickly. So do you see your DTC site and obviously your social platforms as kind of like the partnering arm to build that brand awareness in stores? Absolutely. I think the site um, will absolutely be one of our educational platforms um, helping to guide you know women as they look for products in store and online. Um, and then also, it, you know, for us, that that site is very focused on replenishment. So helping women, you know, to receive that, you know, bi-monthly shipment of, of their regime um, very easily, uh, that will be a big part of it. Um, but ultimately, those are our, our brand building platforms, um, both the website and the social media site. I think, though, what we've seen um, are a lot of direct-to-consumer companies, you know, build and they scale to a certain size. And then ultimately, it's very hard for them to grow beyond that and, and to grow beyond that profitably as well, um, just due to the customer acquisition costs at this point. Um, so so really, we see the, the bulk of our growth coming from our wholesale business. Was that similar to what you saw with the Who at Wear line and Joy Lab as well? So those uh, two brands are actually not sold direct to consumer. They're sold exclusively through Target. And yes, I mean, the the, the scale we're able to uh, reach in retail sales through a partnership with a with a, uh, a place like Target is is something we could never do on our own direct to consumer. 
I, I think another interesting way to think about it is, you know, we also think about, you know, because the the price of, of customer acquisition is so high today with direct-to-consumer brands is, is how can we um, leverage our in-store presence to create that relationship online? Um, so sort of the opposite of, of what maybe people thought of in the past where it's like, how can you drive from uh, web to in-store? You know, we are using our in-store presence as, as a major marketing platform. And ultimately, if it becomes more convenient, for somebody to replenish their order uh, through our D2C site, um, then that would be a win for us. We've seen a lot of traction and buzz around Ulta with their 1,400 doors all over the country in non-metro places. I imagine Target's you know, presence is very similar to that, that they aren't in the New Yorks and San Francisco's and Dallas's of the world. Talk to us about that cons- customer and what they're looking for. So interestingly, Target is in everywhere, basically. So, you know, they are in the major cities um, as well as some of the smaller, less metropolitan areas. Um, so, you know, we really have to appeal to a wide array of, of individuals. And I think, um, you know, Ulta is a fascinating business for that reason as well. Um, and I think, you know, they're after such a different demographic. When I look at them, I think that of them as a being a little bit younger. Um, you know, they really own that college crowd, it seems. Um, and so I think, you know, but I think we'll see them. They have one in L.A. They have several in L.A. So I think, um, you know, uh, it, it's really about reaching the consumers across the country and how can you create uh, products and an assortment that will do just as well um, in some of those smaller towns. Do you see yourself as really targeting that millennial customer or a little bit younger or a little bit older? We're very focused on the millennial uh, consumer or, or what uh, the, the industry you know considers to be a millennial. But I, I we've tested with, you know, uh, Gen Z as well as uh, Gen X. So, it, you know, a lot of the products, I think, will appeal across that spectrum. Catherine, how do you kind of line up, you know, what you're collecting from your customer from that data perspective to kind of larger industry trends and what we're seeing in the marketplace? Like, when do you decide that your gut in your data is worth it, whether the trends say otherwise? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, the audience that we're really connected to um, is that sort of tastemaker. You know, they're that 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 young woman uh, or man in their community who is the one that everybody goes to, right, to ask, you know, which new cleanser to buy or um, what trend is getting hotter. So I think by focusing on them, we're able to see what's coming in the next wave. Um, and uh, we've been able to learn kind of the the cycle of that through our apparel business, I think, you know. And so w- when we see enough traction on an idea from our group, we know, OK, by the time this hits shelves, you know, it's going to become a much more mass trend. And I think we're also in a position to propagate that trend. Right. So to make it um, a, a thing, if you will. Um, and so that puts us in a very unique position to also you know, be able to to drive trends. So you're launching with 19 products in May or launched with 19 products in May. And so what does that kind of product innovation timeline look like going forward? Right. So we we launched with uh, with 19 products. We have some new products coming out in the very beginning of uh, 2020. And, you know, by mid 2020, you'll probably see at least 15 new products. And Catherine, how do you kind of um, distill this information now that Click no longer owns Birdie or kind of has that beauty arm within its existing media portfolio? 
So this brand was actually incubated off the back of Birdie. So, you know, for, for a good year, uh, we did work with that community to um, to create the Versed brand. But I think, you know, Who at Wear has always covered beauty and, and you know, ha- has a large group of specifically beauty enthusiasts. But at the end of the day, it's, it's also kind of the exact demo that we want to market to, right? So, um, you know, beauty brands pay Who at Wear millions of dollars every year to, to launch a product. So, you know, why wouldn't we do that with our own. So do you kind of see yourself as not only being a beauty brand, but also a little bit of a lifestyle brand as it kind of fits into the who, what, where portfolio? I think, you know, as a company, we're we're very focused on on fashion and beauty um, across the brands who, what, where and uh, and and uh, and versed, um, and we cover some some wellness as well. So, you know, I think when I think of lifestyle, I, I think of additional categories as well. But but basically anything that that is style or beauty related. And Catherine, you know, we've seen some of these other media brands or media portfolios kind of dabble in this before. You know, Pop Sugar has Beauty by Pop Sugar, and now we're seeing a greater trend with private label. What do you think is happening here? I think a lot of what you're seeing um, is media businesses looking for new, more profitable streams of revenue, like licensing. I'm not as familiar with with the Pop Sugar um, beauty business, but um, you know, for us, Versed is a, a new independent brand created specifically for skincare. You know, it's it's funded separately. It's got a, a separate operational uh, infrastructure, um, and it's really dedicated to this this white space in the market. And what would you say to kind of the other um, bigger companies out there like an Amazon or a QVC who are also trying to use data from their other customers and their other brands to create these private label companies? I think you're seeing a lot of um, retailers create private labels, but truthfully, they've been doing that for decades. Um, and, and I think it's just that we're more sophisticated now in our data collection and how we apply that data. Um, Amazon is obviously the perfect example of that. Um, they're looking at, you know, probably what search terms are not being fulfilled or are, you know, that where they have an opportunity to win and then designing into that. Um, you know, Target is, is a great example. They've been uh, creating their own brands for, for quite a while. And, um, you know, they, they know their consumer very well. They know what's going to work. And so, they've designed into that as well. So last question, Catherine, tell us a little bit about what you foresee as the future of beauty and, you know, verse and obviously for who, what, where. Do you see yourself venturing into other brands, whether it's cosmetics or skincare or more skincare or wellness? Definitely. I think, you know, from where we sit and kind of our, our position in the market, we have um, an exciting opportunity to to get into a few different categories, um, and and we see a lot of white space that you know we would love to be able to to uh, fill for the consumer. Anything you can tease for us? I think you know we're thinking a lot about what's um, not not out there as far as color cosmetics. So, um, you know, personally, I'm on a mission to to think about uh, a brand for, for women like me. I think, you know, I'm probably a little older um, than a lot of the the sort of cool, um, you know, direct-to-consumer uh, brands that are out there now. And, and I don't wear a ton of makeup, so I also don't fit into that um, you, you know, uh, sort of highly Instagrammed uh, contour and bronzing um, bucket. So I'm thinking a lot about that, um, as well as other categories just kind of uh, surrounding, um, you know, wellness. Perfect. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was great having you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. 
We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription of Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members have access to unlimited content, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's 80% off by entering the code INTRO at checkout. For more information, head to glossy.co slash subscribe. We'll talk to you next week.